Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max. Thanks very much for tuning in here for the show. It's Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. I've just wrapped up a visit to Brooklyn Borough Hall where Borough President Antonio Reynoso was unveiling his comprehensive plan for Brooklyn, which the plan says is home to 2.73 million people living in 77 neighborhoods. The Borough President unveiled his new comprehensive plan more than a year in the making at a press conference at Borough Hall, which I attended. And then he and I had a chance to talk uh, privately in his office for the podcast here after the press conference, which was pretty well attended by members of the media. The borough president made a presentation with some of his staff that contributed to work on the comprehensive plan. And then he took a bunch of media questions. I'm sure there will be coverage in a variety of publications that you can check out with different areas of focus. Uh, But stay tuned here for a conversation with Borough President Antonio Reynoso about this new plan. It's focused on health, housing, transit, and more. It's a 200-plus page document that includes seven goals, 23 objectives, over 200 specific recommendations, and four land use frameworks that will help dictate how the borough president and his team at Borough Hall evaluate the many land use proposals that come across the borough president's desk as part of the formal land use review process where the borough president has a advisory role in the process of approving or disapproving uh, land use proposals for rezonings in the city. Part of the rationale for the plan is to influence many other decision makers, especially those with more powers than the largely ceremonial borough presidency, including the mayor and the mayoral administration officials, whether they're at the Department of City Planning, a key agency here, of course, uh, and many other agencies with the hope, Borough President Reynoso said, to spur the mayor to take on comprehensive planning of the city's own. It's also intended to impact city council members, many other elected officials, community board members, and other Brooklynites and people across other boroughs, even if they're not uh, living in Brooklyn or invested in Brooklyn, uh, as the city considers solutions to its problems and approaches how to grow and grow equitably. Importantly, Reynoso said it will now serve as a very public guide to how he and his office will evaluate those projects that come before him in the Uniform Land Use Review Procedure, the process that uh, is dictates when uh, rezonings are approved or disapproved in the city that are ultimately decided at the city council level. The borough presidents get to weigh in in the process. But it's also about how he uses his bully pulpit, his budgetary allocations, and exercises other powers of persuasion. While the borough president's office has limited formal powers to make this plan or any other plans a reality, the borough president does have the formal advisory voice in the land use process and a bully pulpit that is often what the BP makes of it. And Reynoso uh, has been an outspoken leader on a number of issues during his time previously in the city council and now as as borough president. Uh, He also uh, saw his predecessor, Eric Adams, uh, just show in 2021 that the BP's office can be a launching pad to hire office. More on that in just a minute. But a bit more about Reynoso's comprehensive plan before my conversation with the BP about it. As you'll hear in that conversation, we stayed very general about it, didn't get into a lot of specifics, but the plan 
first includes a thorough existing conditions assessment of Brooklyn and Brooklynites based on a great deal of available data, some of which, of, of course, is at least partly outdated now, but it still gives a really important snapshot, a number of snapshots of various trends, uh, many illuminating data-driven maps showing, for example, concentrations of wealth and poverty in the borough, foreign-born populations, educational attainment, life expectancy, housing growth over the last decade by neighborhood, and much, much more. Uh, It's really a document worth taking a look at, even if you just give it a skim, or even if you only look at sort of the existing conditions assessment and some of the other data-driven maps, you know, can give you some really interesting things to think about there, but there's there's much more to it. You should skim the recommendations, of course, as well. Uh, Reynoso is not only taking on the city's failure to do long-term planning, he says, but also the notion that it can't be done in a comprehensive way, which has been one major point of contention in the debate over comprehensive planning that's occurred on and off for the last several years. Reynoso was a co-sponsor of a city council bill to require a citywide planning approach, but it did not pass the city council during his time there, and it has not been taken up since. A similar notion also did not make it through a New York City charter revision process where Reynoso and other elected officials and many advocates tried to get a version of citywide comprehensive planning onto the ballot for voters to approve or disapprove, but the Charter Revision Commission did not take it up and did not offer it two voters a few years ago. Uh, Reynoso noted today that he's been working on this issue for many years from his time in the city council, which was 2014 through 2021. And it's something he set out to do upon entering Borough Hall as borough president early in 2022. So this is not, he said, about being a response to anything specific Mayor Adams has been doing or not doing. Though there are pieces of the plan that reflect on Adams's governance in a number of ways, including some major areas of agreement and some other areas where it seems like there's some disagreement. On agreement, there seems like there's a lot of alignment on things related to housing and changes to zoning, the Adams administration's city of yes for housing opportunity zoning proposal, which seeks to shift many aspects of city zoning to allow more housing growth everywhere. It's something I just discussed here on the podcast with Department of City Planning Director Dan Gorodnik, a former city council colleague of Reynoso. If you missed that conversation with Dan Gorodnik, definitely check it out after you listen to this because they're very intertwined. Uh, So that's a big area of agreement in Reynoso's comprehensive plan. There's a lot of support for the pieces of the City of Yes framework, like allowing accessory dwelling units, transit-oriented development, and and much more. Uh, What Reynoso is attempting to also take on here with this comprehensive plan are major disparities, often by race and income, when it comes to health, health care, life expectancy, the availability of affordable housing, public transit access, economic opportunity, and much more. He's assailing the nimbyism, not in my backyardism, that often dominates discussion around what goes where in New York City, commenting today during his presentation about what he called an unconscionable lack of housing growth in some neighborhoods in Brooklyn, uh, especially Southern Brooklyn. 
we zone, we don't plan, he said repeatedly, and there's way too much focus on individual plots of land and also on the boundaries of city council districts where city council members very often through what's known as member deference get to dictate what land use items pass or don't pass through the fuller city council, which has 51 uh, districts and members, of course. Uh, He said that it is really just not the type of planning that New York needs to be looking at city council district boundaries for things like bike lanes or even bus lanes where you'll sometimes see those lanes go in, but then they stop at a city council boundary because one city council member is supportive of them, but then the neighboring one is not and things like that. Uh, Each community district in the city must play a role in meeting the needs of the borough and the larger city, he said. And this is a presentation for a model of planning citywide and a vision for a different way to manage the city, he said. And you'll hear more directly from him shortly. I will give you, since we don't get into specifics really in the conversation with him, I'll give you just a few specific examples of the 200 plus recommendations in the plan, which you can and should uh, peruse at your own convenience. So here's just a few examples that do not cover at all the whole scope of the plan, but a few of them include expand neighborhood health centers and health action centers in areas with high concentrations of uninsured and underinsured populations, support baseline city funding for existing and new school-based health clinics, work with the Department of Transportation and developers to add adequate lighting to streets to increase safety, Support proposed increases in density in areas where housing production is lagging. The borough president will not support downzonings that restrict the potential for new housing production. Encourage the Department of City Planning to amend Brooklyn zoning districts to allow for multifamily housing in all residential zones. That is basically saying, and you'll hear a little bit on this in my conversation with Reynoso, but the borough president wants to do away with all single family zoning. And so more on that in a minute with him. A couple other quick final examples of the recommendations in the plan. Eliminate residential parking requirements across the whole borough. Again, that's something that overlaps with Mayor Adams's city of yes proposal for zoning changes across the whole city. Uh, the Adams administration wants to do away with parking requirements that come with new development. Uh, you could still, developers could still add parking with new development, but wouldn't be required to in the instances that currently exist. And the last example I'll give here of the recommendations in the plan, proactively plan for higher manufacturing and residential densities around transit expansions, such as the proposed Interborough Express that is supposed to go from Brooklyn to Queens, Queens to Brooklyn, uh, possibly a new light rail expansion there. That's been a major focus for Governor Kathy Hochul and the MTA. Reynoso is a big supporter of the Interborough Express, and you'll hear that in the conversation as well. And he also wants to do that not just uh, along the proposed Interborough Express, but also along new select bus service and express bus service routes on Utica and Flatlands Avenues, for example. So that's just a smattering. There's a lot more to it on health, housing, development, bus and bike infrastructure, Structure, uh, climate, environment, energy, uh, waste, and much more. Like I said, it covers a lot of ground. Uh, and then there's also the land use frameworks that the BP is establishing. Uh, and I won't go into the details on that on that now. Just 
quickly on background on the plan's development. The borough president put it in motion early after he came into office in early 2022. His office worked with the Regional Plan Association and the New York Academy of Medicine, uh, which provided support on data collection and analysis and more. And Hester Street provided support with outreach and engagement. There was an advisory committee of over 25 organizations from throughout the borough that provided feedback and guidance, and there were public engagement sessions uh, with the community boards and other members of the public, as well as an online survey uh, that dealt with the draft recommendations and getting feedback on those. Just lastly here, by way of introduction, Reynoso uh, is a progressive Democrat who was elected borough president through a crowded Democratic primary field in 2021. He succeeded Eric Adams, as I mentioned, now the mayor. Uh, Reynoso has been in office getting close to two years now and said he's reevaluating how the borough president's office functions in part based on the release of this comprehensive plan and the work ahead to see it through its next steps. He also recently said that the BP's office would be shifting how it operates, moving away from more uh, of the purely ceremonial and celebratory events and into celebrations via service and more direct outreach to Brooklynites. A decision, he said, that was made because of how the Adams administration is cutting budgets and not providing the government performance that New Yorkers need. Reynoso, in that regard, and others, has emerged as a sometimes prominent uh, critic of, of Mayor Adams, though he's also quick to praise the mayor when they agree. And he has been on the short list of potential challengers that some on the progressive left would like to see take on Adams in the 2025 Democratic primary, which is not that far off, by the way. I asked Reynoso about that at the end of our time together today, which was 99% focused on the comprehensive plan. And he said he's not running against Adams in 2025. Now, during the press conference uh, that preceded our conversation, he was asked about that and he didn't rule it out. He didn't say no. He said he was focused on uh, being the best Brooklyn Borough president he could be. I followed up on that in our private conversation that you're about to hear. And he told me uh, that you'll hear at the end of this interview that he is not planning to run against Eric Adams. And he said it rather definitively. Now, that could, of course, change. It's still almost two years until primary day in June of 2025. But he was a bit more definitive about it in this conversation than he was during the Q&A of the of the press conference. Um, And just, uh, again, for background reference, you can, if you're interested after this conversation, go back to the last conversation on the podcast I had with Borough President Reynoso, which was in January of this year. He joined me to discuss his first year as Borough President, the planning effort he had launched, his thoughts on a number of major issues, including housing development and more. So this conversation here with the comprehensive plan now out is is very much a follow-up to that prior conversation, which, again, you can revisit or hear for the first time if you're so inclined uh, after you listen to this. Okay, but first, right now, (laughs) here's my conversation with Brooklyn Borough President Antonio Reynoso about the release of his comprehensive plan, what it's all about, and a number of facets of how uh, Brooklyn and New York City are approaching major challenges, especially a lack of housing development and affordable housing and the issue of long-term planning. So I'm here at Brooklyn Borough Hall with Borough President Antonio Reynoso. So just so listeners know, 
you just held a press conference. Uh, I was there with a, a big group of press assembled to have you unveil your comprehensive plan for Brooklyn. In the introduction I just gave listeners, I went over some of the broad strokes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you to repeat some of what you said at the press conference that my listeners didn't hear, but we'll also get into some other things. So broadly speaking, I gave an introduction, which you didn't get to hear, but I gave an introduction uh, that gives some broad strokes. But just say for people in your words, what are you setting out to do here and provide to New Yorkers, especially Brooklynites, of course, uh, with this comprehensive plan? Well, we have a ton of problems and issues that we need to solve for. And I just feel like using data and information as the foundation by which we're going to start building systems and processes out to solve for those problems is deeply important. Right now, uh, the work we do specifically on a borough level is very uh, very centric to council districts. Uh, and what is good for one is not good for another. Uh, but if we have a comprehensive plan, we could take a step back and look at all the issues and how we can solve for them. Um, I think it'll be easier to, to push. And we've come to a time where how your local, what you want for your local district might not be what's good for New York City. And, you know, housing is not what this comprehensive plan is all about, but housing is a perfect example. We're in a crisis where supply and demand is a part of that problem. And there are places in Brooklyn that have built no housing. Um, And we need to have a more serious conversation about that, regardless of whether or not the local council member agrees um, that this city, that this city needs more housing. Um, And we could do it in a modest way. We could really talk about this in a thorough way. We talk about uh, access to transportation and the, how meaningful it is to economic uh, growth or economic mobility. Um, and we got to talk about bringing access uh, to the outer portions of the of Brooklyn. So it's just like really talking about it holistically instead of in a silo and allowing for council districts to dictate the outcomes of our entire city. Um, so we're, we're just flipping it. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to having these conversations at the community board level with community members, with council members, because I think if people see the information, they would think differently about what they believe they need to be doing to help the city out. Some of the biggest problems, this might not be an exhaustive list here, but some of the biggest problems you're trying to address here are, make the list with me, yeah. you know, it's access to affordable housing, it's access to health care and better health outcomes. Continue from there. I mean, what what are some of the biggest things here that you're trying to solve for that are major problems facing Brooklyn and and this city? Well, I want to be honest. I think the biggest thing that I want to solve for is just uh, being careful about people's personal opinions and preferences dictating policy which is what happens right now. So that's the one thing we want to move furthest away from. But we never had the data to be able to rely on, to be able to make meaningful decisions um, and explain to people why we're making those decisions. A lot of folks feel that when city agencies come into their neighborhoods, they just ram things down their throat and they just, that's the way you got to eat it, take it. Um, versus now it's like, look, this is the data and information about what's happening. This is how it's, we're being affected. And these are the solutions we have that we want to put in place. I um, mean, it's harder to argue from a data standpoint so I, I just want to say that the first thing is being very careful about, you know, a personal experience dictating policy, solely dictating policy versus data and information. Uh, but yeah, just the essence of, of planning, which yeah. is saying it has to be good planning, good city planning, good borough planning exactly. in order exactly. to to make progress for yeah. people, not allow it to yeah. be on political whims and personal. Opinion. Exactly. That's it. And then we talk about uh 
you talk about health outcomes is a big part of why we did this study. The first planning study was done to like remove people or the planning planning in general was born to keep people out of from living right next to you know a coal factory or coal mine. It was specifically to address people's health and that hey maybe you shouldn't live so close to a to a manufacturing district. Um, so we want to go back to using planning for that. So I want to talk about like parks and transportation, accessibility, access to healthcare, um, of course housing, uh, all of that. Uh, and if you look at the plan, you know, it is very dense and there is a lot of a lot of recommendations in there, but it's doing the best we can that if we follow through on all the recommendations that are put forth of the ones that we can control and the ones we can't control, that Brooklyn would be better for it in 10 to 20 years. Any, again, there's so many recommendations in here, over 200 any favorites that you have? Any any ones that you know are sort of specific ones that you either will use as examples to people when you have a minute to sort of chat with them about something, or just that are your favorites for yeah. for various reasons? My favorite, it's uh, the IBX is my favorite recommendation. The IBX cures for so many problems we have in the outer portions of the outer boroughs. Um, transportation access just doesn't exist out there. Uh, you know, it's a, it, it pains me to say that to tell somebody that lives in those areas of Canarsie or in Mill Basin that you can't use your vehicle. Like your vehicle is it's just, there's no way to get around. There's no access, there's no transportation alternatives. We can finally say, hey, less than a mile from where you live, there is a train stop that can take you to Bay Ridge and or it could take you to Manhattan or, or parts of Queens. Um, so that's one, but also not only is it transportation access for them, we know that people that live closer to trains have more economic mobility or more economic opportunities that are, are presented to them. So we're excited about that. Um, and also pollution. And just when it comes to environmental justice work that we need to start doing in a real way is moving people away from vehicles. Um, uh, is a good thing for our environment. Uh, when we talk about freight and how we move goods, having vehicles off the road and allowing for hopefully cleaner vehicles eventually, but just having less vehicles on the road, less trucks, is uh, better for the city's economy. It's just the IBX is uh, it's just uh, like the golden ticket mm-hmm. of, of problem solving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one of my favorite things that I'm excited about. Okay. Uh, the notion of comprehensive planning in many ways is sort of in conflict with the way we do things now, as you have discussed uh, in the presentation that I saw, in terms of the Euler land use review process, application by application, mostly coming from private developers. A, one question I have for you in in hearing you speak, and I I actually wanted to ask this to Dan Gorodnik, who was recently on the show, and I didn't ask him, but I'll ask him next time I talk to him, who's the director of city planning now and your former city council colleague. Yes. But one thing this makes me think about is there's calls, and this is is a little bit more of a sort of fringe call Mm -hmm. uh, because people don't see it as realistic, but there's calls to just sort of like do away with zoning. Yeah. That, you know, you mentioned originally zoning is like keep people away from coal mines yeah. and manufacturing and all that. But, you know, the way New York City has evolved, do you ever think about that? No, I, I don't think uh-huh. about that and I don't think it's wise. Uh-huh. I do think zoning serves a purpose. Uh, um, it's just zoning should serve a purpose and I think what people feel right now is that it does it does serve a purpose and its purpose is solely to um, ensure positive outcomes for developers and nothing else versus what it should be used for which is just planning for a city long term um, so no we should not do away with zoning zoning is very important zoning can really help us control or or dictate outcomes that we want 
um, and that's what we should be using it for. I think it has DC, to evolve more, maybe. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just it, think DCP builds for what they see versus for what they want, right? Like that's a big conversation I want to have with Dan, and I always talk to Dan about that. He's saying, "Oh, we're seeing this, so we want to modify zoning in this area to comply." It's like, why? But is that is that what you're seeing that? But is that what you want there? It's like maybe not. So it's like then let's build this zone for what you want to see. Mm-hmm. What do we want in this area? Um, and downtown Brooklyn is a perfect example. They wanted office development here and they got uh, residential um, development here uh, and it's just like I think it's just bad planning um, but doing away with zoning wouldn't solve for that problem I guess is what I'm saying I think being smarter about how we use zoning um, is the answer but also the notion of taking a more comprehensive look at zoning which you're doing some here the Adams administration is doing as you note in this plan and in your presentation there's a lot about this city of yes framework yeah, that you yeah support and yes, agree with. There's yep. a whole bunch of pieces of that. Yeah. Um, say, say a little bit, though, about how you envision moving away from so many difficult battles over single land use yeah. applications, especially around housing. Yeah. How, do you, how does Brooklyn move away from yeah. that? I think the first thing is allowing for someone, let's say a council member in East New York, Right. Being able to see the amount of work that their community has already done in building 12,500 units of affordable housing and, um, you know, understanding the value of member deference, which I don't think is something we should do away with. But understanding its value when it comes to like being able to protect neighborhoods that have traditionally been you know, taken advantage of and so forth versus people that are being protectionist and like really not allowing for growth. But a council member can look at it and say, hey, I didn't have this information before. But council member X, your district has lost housing over the last 20 years while my district has built 12,500, while I abide by the principles of member deference, I would love to have a conversation with you about what you're doing good to contribute, what you're doing to contribute to the greater good. That was a conversation I couldn't have when I was a council member because I had no information. I didn't know what these other neighborhoods were doing. Um, I was consumed with the amount of work that I had to do in my in my neighborhood. So um, I do think that the way we're going to solve for this is to give more information to council members to have more meaningful conversations. It's not saying do away with my member deference or that member deference is bad. It's just information empowers members to ask more of their colleagues in cases where they wouldn't have in the past. From where I sit, tell me if you disagree, that those types of conversations, data informed, can make some impact probably on the margins with some council members coming along on certain specific projects in their districts. But to make a bigger impact, it's going to require a lot more of a sort of city council-wide, borough presidents, mayor saying, Yes. We got to change. This just has to change. You yeah. agree with that? I do. And I think right which, now, which means honest. sort of maybe forging ahead with specific projects over yeah. the opposition of local council members, but maybe much more taking a bigger upzoning approach. Um, so broadly speaking, I want to I want to agree with the first one, which is, <laughs> yes, we might have to go and have conversations about whether or not uh, some of these council members are not making decisions that are good for Brooklyn and good for the city of New York. I actually think the council, the borough presidents and the mayor are aligned on the need for development. The city of Yes is a perfect example of trying to wiggle on the margins um, to be able to squeeze as much housing as we can without making like a big upzoning of the entire city or um, of that sort. Um, and doing away with a lot of the littler battles by by doing some zoning changes that apply many places. Very equitably too, right? Like this, uh, if you own a one-family home, you're allowed 
out an accessory dwelling unit, whether you're in Coney Island and you bought your house, you know, and it's a, and you're like a, a black homeowner or a wealthy homeowner that lives, let's say, in Mill Basin and has a large, like, you're allowed to both do what you have to do um, independent of, like, where you live and where your politics are. Um, those type of things really move away from, pol- the politics are taken out. Once the city of Yes moves forward, which is going to be very difficult because now they're going to have to deal with politics in the city council. But the city of Yes is a, a, a citywide approach of looking at something, solving for it, and then just applying it across the board. Those type of things are very good. Um, so I would say the hard part is if, if there was a comprehensive plan, a citywide zoning text makes sense. Like figuring out a way to do one zoning option for the next 20 years of what the city's gonna look like, we're gonna put this text on, and it'll be different in different places, but just doing it one time would be the ideal utopian mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. world. But we don't live in that utopian world in New York City, so you know it's just not something that we can even discuss. But like, there's no way. It's just not never gonna happen. We're wasting our breath talking about, uh, you know, a, there's no planning that happens in the city of New York right now. I'm a borough president trying to influence that or, or inspire that. Uh, but ultimately, it's going to come down to a mayor believing it um, and having the political power and will to start executing it, which is just very difficult to, to, to find and do. The, the pieces of the city of Yes are important for sort of resetting the framework in a lot of sort of smaller ways. And, and yeah. they're very clear on their ambition is not a huge overhaul of, yeah. of zoning, but to, to tweak things in a variety of ways. Uh, 100,000 new additional units over 15 years. Yeah. So that's a lot of units, but it's incremental. Yeah. So for those areas, though, that you're saying have come nowhere close to sort of doing their citywide part, these are places where if you go to a lot of the local representatives or the local residents, they'll say, that's right, we don't want to because we want our neighborhoods to mostly stay how they are. Yeah. So what what's the bigger solution in your comprehensive plan to fix that because yeah, it, it can't be yeah. ULERP application by ULERP application. Yeah, exactly. So, so we're presenting it to the general public. We're, we're letting that person know that we disagree with them and the comprehensive plan. They will see very clearly, for example, uh, single family zoning is not something we agree with. We don't think it should exist in the city of New York. Um, and that's a, a bold statement to make in New York. It's telling people that we want to, you know, every, every single family home should be zoned to a three-family home at minimum. And what you, if you don't want your community to change, you have that authority. If you own that, that one-family home, don't build to three-family home, but let the next person do it if that's what they want to do. Um, so for me, it's all, it is all about choice. Well, um, change will come to those who want it, and those that don't want change, they don't need to apply for it. Like My thing is giving the city that option. Um, imagine if we do a citywide tax to remove single-family zoning and make it two-family zoning across the board. Um, you know, the, Ultimately, the outcomes of that are... Um, are left to, to the people that, that want to see increases in, in their homes. And I guess I'm saying that because I'm giving an example of uh, this city needs to be able to function. And a city cannot function when, it is, when it's playing the game of being 51 small cities. That's what we're doing right now. We're letting everyone have their own fiefdom and control their outcomes on a very local level. And we're having, we have citywide problems and we need citywide solutions. And uh, looking at things very local hurts our ability to solve for those problems in a, in a comprehensive way. So there's a lot of support from you and, and the mayoral administration and others around these tweaks, this city of yes stuff that we talked about. 
you have some bolder ideas that you mm-hmm. just mentioned, other pieces of the plan. In the middle there comes in the idea of sort of neighborhood rezonings. Yeah. Is that a solution to sort of also, I mean, I know you have something in the plan, which I haven't had you know a chance yet to fully read yeah. the 200 pages, but um, you have something about support new and existing community-led plans that add additional housing and job density uh, within a half mile of transit, part, yes, of, the, yes. part of your transit-oriented development focus. Um, but are neighborhood rezonings yeah. Part of the solution here that I needs to they, be accelerated because yes. they, yeah. so I think we should we should talk about that. Yes, and I do think I want to be very careful about you know the, the neighborhood rezonings are also concerning if they're only happening in black and brown districts, which is what Bill De Blasio did. Uh, but yeah, we should till the very end. Until the very end, he threw one. He threw Soho and Gowanus, but yes, yeah, yes, yeah, he threw he till the very end. Yes. Uh, um, so for us, it's like. Can we have a conversation with these other neighborhoods? And we're not talking about building 23-story structures in an area that's all one-family homes, right? We're talking about modest increases across the board can make a big difference. Um, but we want to have that conversation. The comprehensive plan is a good foundational um, foundational document to help make decisions for what your comprehensive plan could look like. When we did Bushwick, we didn't have any of that information. We were compiling it from different aspects and different portions of it. We had people that were biased that didn't want any housing development. We had people that wanted to build a lot of development. And they had two con- you know, conflicting documents presented to us. The comprehensive plan is going to allow for any neighborhood to be able to look at it, use the data to have to explore the best outcomes for their neighborhoods. But yes, I would support a conversation where we're, where we're doing neighborhood rezonings. I think Do you regret at this point not getting to yes on the Bushwick rezoning in a way where part of part of why that fell apart yeah, yeah. is that you were unwilling to go to the levels of density that the city wanted to bring in? Which, yeah. Yeah, so, two, so two things there. Um, the city didn't let me know. The, the city said, we're going to go through this process and we're going to be open to... to what this neighborhood is presenting to us. The neighborhood uh, presented a plan, and I don't have all the numbers, so I don't want to say it mm-hmm. on record, but uh, we produced a plan where we saw increase in density in and around transit corridors. We saw significant increases where train stations are exactly. We saw increase in density in every single avenue within the corridor. Um, and then we saw contextual zoning in like the side the side streets. It's just like bringing them into context because a lot of them were overbuilt, underbuilt. And, uh, but, uh, and, and we got a, a good amount of housing through that process. The city wanted more. They told us they wanted more when we presented them the plan. Um, And they were there every step of the way. DCP went to every single meeting that we held. And we were having meetings at least once a month for about four or five years. DCP never missed a meeting unless we told them we didn't want them there. So they were a part of the process with us. And they were like, all right, we're done. This is the community plan. This is where we are. And then they come back to us and they don't even want to they don't want to study our plan. They want to do their own plan and not study ours. And I just said, that's not fair. Study both ours and the plan that you have, and let's move forward that way. They said, no, the Bushwick community plan, we don't even want to reference it in the work that we want to do for rezoning. So it's just like put perspective in also that the Bushwick community plan was something that was started by the community. We were not one of the 10 districts that de Blasio wanted to look at for redevelopment. We on our own decided and said, hey, we want to contribute to the greater good. We want to have a conversation because development is happening very non-comprehensively. It's like 
the developers are dictating outcomes. We would like development to happen, but let's have them happen on Wyckoff, on Knickerbocker, on Broadway. Um, let's have that conversation. Um, and the city said no. The city didn't like what the community came up with. And I tell you this, right now we could have been producing a lot more affordable housing and development would be happening along Broadway, Wyckoff, Knickerbocker, uh, St. Nicholas Avenue, these larger avenues. Development would be happening right now in all of those areas and we would get the housing that we, we wanted. Um, and it's not because the city, again, wants to relegate the community um, uh, to only maximizing opportunities in black and brown neighborhoods versus a self-started um, community plan that was being presented to the city. It's icing on the cake. It, it isn't. It wasn't something that they wanted, but we're giving it to them and they didn't take it. I got to let you go here. Yeah. Um, but it, it, in conclusion, yeah. maybe a quick comment on this and then I have one last question. But. Yeah. What you, you know, got at a little bit there and what some of your numbers get at is that there's a lot of wealthier, whiter communities in the city. Mayor Adams talked about this on the campaign trail, upzoning in those areas. Um, there's areas like in Park Slope where your data shows actually a reduction in housing because we've seen that in wealthier areas where people are combining uh, units in brownstones and, and so forth. Um I, I don't know that I really hear that conversation happening where the city administration is saying we're going to go into wealthier areas and undo downzonings that happened in the past or upzone. Does that need to be at the forefront of the conversation? I think so. Absolutely. I think uh, there'll be a we lot. We talked about this last time yeah. you were on the yeah. podcast and you said those Bloomberg downzonings really need to be reevaluated. Yes, is yes. that happening in your They're not happening plan? right now, but no, we do. Yeah. They're not happening. The city hasn't started that process, right. but we should absolutely be looking at areas that were downzoned. Um, they are hurting our, right now we are, you would think during Bloomberg we had a, a big boon of housing and development that was happening. But what he did is that that boom was all we got. There was no potential moving forward because he downzoned right. that for these neighborhoods. So I think it was a bad, a bad thing to do. And that this administration should be looking at places that were downzoned, but just looking at places that just haven't done any development. We have low hanging fruit, man. Right? Like there's low hanging fruit here. There are areas that are one and two family homes that we could be talking about turning into three and four and five story homes. Uh, we're not again. Some, some of that's in the city of Yes, right? Like some of, some it, of the transit oriented development in the low density areas. Right. That's, but there's more to do. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I do think that we need to have a, a larger conversation of it. But the mayor's housing plan really, I think that there's a lack of comprehensive planning in the mayor's office related to housing. We don't really know. Now we have the city of Yes as the first step in understanding some of the ideology and how they want to move forward. But just generally how we're going to build in the city, we don't know what's happening. And I think the comprehensive plan is a, is a good, again, a framework to be able to use so that you can inform the people about what your vision is. In our last 30 seconds, yeah. you were asked this at the press conference. I just want to ask you again, on the politics side, a lot of people talking about wanting you to challenge the mayor in the 2025 yeah. primary. Yeah. Your answer at the press conference you, we were at is you're focused on Brooklyn, yes. but you don't. that's not a no. Right. So I am focused on Brooklyn, and I just want to do right by Brooklyn. Um, I'm not running for mayor. Uh, against Eric Adams. I'm going to be the borough president. I want to be a great borough president. That's what I'm focused on right now. Um, so that's what I can that's Okay. What I we'll leave it there. Plenty more to talk about ahead of 2025 on the political front. So we'll worry about that another time. But thank you, borough thank president you. Antonio Reynoso. Thank you.